Welcome to SkyCast from SkyGen, the podcast where we bring you the latest trends in the vision and dental specialty benefits management and technology landscape. My name is Holly Carter with SkyGen, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today's episode is on the topic of innovation. Yes, I know, it's a word that gets tossed around quite a lot. But what exactly does it mean for specialty benefits? Well, to us, it means new ways to engage with the consumer and the member, the creation of new ideas to make processes more efficient and streamlined, and above all else, I think it means growth and progress. We're in a world now where opportunities for specialty benefits abound. If you think about it, there's more data at our fingertips, new technologies and digital tools. All of these things make it easier for us to reach the consumer. At the same time, however, we don't want to innovate just for the sake of innovation. We want to innovate in response to the changing landscape around us. The specialty benefits landscape has a lot to contend with. Changing shopping habits, new regulations, cultural pressures. And with all of that, if we don't innovate now, we're very likely to get left behind. As you can see, this is a pretty important topic. So in today's podcast, we're going to start the first of a two-part series on innovation. To get us started, we're going to be listening in on part of a panel discussion that was recorded at SkyGen's annual client summit. In this recording, you'll hear John Schock, SkyGen's Chief Innovation and Growth Officer, moderate a discussion with four industry experts sharing their perspectives and insights on the challenges and opportunities for innovation within the specialty benefits landscape. The industry experts you are going to hear from include John Jennings, Chief Actuary and Vice President of Underwriting and Project Management at Delta Dental of Missouri, John Ryan, the CEO of United Healthcare Vision, Brian Goach, Managing Director of Healthscape Advisors, and Bruce Silverman, the owner of Silverman Consulting. Now, without further ado, let's hear what the panelists have to say on this topic. I wanted to begin with a conversation of some of the trends that are driving innovation within these two industries. Um, and as we prepared for the panel, it was very interesting. Um, among other things, you know, one of the, the key themes was that, that there are a lot of macroeconomics right now that are, are driving things in healthcare generally, but also particularly in dental and vision. Um, and, and John Jennings, you had a really good few comments on that. And so maybe if you don't mind, you could just kind of kick us off with what you're seeing and uh, also how you see that affecting innovation within within the space. Yeah, so uh, starting with an actuary to talk about the economy. It's one of those things, right? Everyone wants economic certainty and there never is. You might get one or two good years. Um, the economy is always crazy. Things are always changing. Stock market's down 25%, but it's still above where it was at the start of the pandemic. Um, inflation's running away, highest rate in 40 years. Federal Reserve has raised interest rates faster than they have in 40 years, um, but unemployment's super low, and everyone's having a hard time finding and keeping people. So what kind of doors or opportunities does that open up, say, in the dental space? And you know, one we've seen in particular is we had a, a record number of plan changes this last year, um, and it wasn't what you typically expect. Stock market's down, everyone's talking about a recession. Um, it wasn't the, you know, you have to find me $20,000. You know, HR's been tasked with getting $20,000 managed out of our dental benefits. Uh, it's actually been the exact opposite. Um, so the vast majority of plan changes this year have been people increasing benefits. It's the, you know, open enrollments coming up, and i got to have a win for our employees. There has to be something positive I can talk about. Maybe I can't give them a raise that's equal to what's happening with inflation. Um, but at least we can talk about how their dental benefits are going up. 
So, you know, I'd say dental benefits are, are stubborn. They haven't changed a lot in 40 years. I wish they'd change faster. Um, but at least now people are more receptive to things like removing age limits on fluoride for adults, adult ortho, um, or maybe, you know, higher annual maximums, especially if they're going to visit a, a PPO provider. So those are some things I've seen very recently. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I know, um, John, you had some thoughts also, John Ryan had some thoughts also about, um, I was going to say the, the voluntary benefit space, but I, I now know to call it the VB space. Uh, maybe you could share a couple thoughts on that, too. Yeah, sure. So very similar to what John was just saying, it's been a time when we can't figure out what utilization is going to be, and we finally said we're going to stop looking back at 2019 as a, as a baseline, although I just think the actuaries on our team are coming up with a different word for what that, you know, that look back is. But what we're concerned about is here you have truly an employee payroll benefit for the most time in commercial. And those members may not have activated their benefit in the last year or two. So now we're quite concerned because they couldn't either, they weren't going to go, or now as we talk to eye care professionals, whether it's retail uh, or uh, independents, and Brian can speak to this uh, much more uh, clearly than I can, but there's not a demand problem, there is a supply problem. So COVID is still running through the offices um, and, you know, the staffing and the labor shortages that people are having. So what we're finding and con are concerned about is if members are not accessing their benefit, it's very similar to the great question was posed, could you look at a family, not an individual? We're concerned that as this voluntary benefit that doesn't get a lot of maybe, you know, pizzazz at open enrollment time, um, will people keep taking that benefit? Or will they say, you know, I'm not really using this or could I find a you know, cheaper alternative? There's enough you know, kind of push out there. And then if you look at the, uh, the government space, in particular Medicaid, we're very concerned about that. Due to the pandemic, you're seeing um, Medicaid coming back even slower utilization, at least on the voluntary benefit side and Envision. And that's a problem very similar to how we talked about supplemental. These people have a benefit and they cannot access it. And the, the line I always use is, you know, in the provider's hierarchy, it's take a commercial, pay, take a uh, private pay patient first, then take a commercial, then take a Medicare, and then every other third Thursday from 4.15 to 4.20, if you can slot a Medicaid vision patient, put them in. And we're seeing that abatement, as we put it, has not come back. So what we're really concerned about is we have states and other regulatory agencies that are looking at us. So we have to become more um, really relevant for consumers about this benefit. And again, we're going to have to encourage utilization, which is, I think, something we never would want to talk about in the past as an insurance company. Uh, but I think we are at the point where we owe this because otherwise we're going to have attrition. It's less about competition taking it. And for us, it's more about people saying this isn't even a benefit to me. Brian or, or Bruce, anything you want to add on the uh, on that topic? I would add just two things. Is One, the, the relevance of today's products. I mean, millennials, only about 30% are actually regularly going to a dentist. The products that you offered mom and dad and even grandma and grandpa are no longer relevant. So they were looking at benefits a, a lot differently and shopping for them a lot differently. The other piece I'm seeing a lot of is the, is the strength, the, the growing strength of uh, the dental community, DSOs, private equity. But you look all around now, legislation in pretty much every state, non-covered services, you know, MLR, um, you know, tiering networks. I mean, the industry is, is changing dramatically, and, and some of the freedoms that I think dental payers have had in the past uh, are not going to exist, you know, much longer. I would just say on the vision front, you know, when I think about, you know, utilization of benefits, 
most of the other products are not really great experiences. You know, you're going to the, the doctor because something is wrong. You have a, you know, sub-health claim because, you know, you had some sort of incident. I mean, vision is a feel-good benefit, right? I'm going, I'm getting new glasses. I'm able to have kind of that fashion component. So in order for people to make the election to choose vision, you know, they have to use it. They have to feel that every so often. Um, so if they're, if they're foregoing that visit to the optometrist, I think, you know, to John's good point, uh, the likelihood to then purchase the product next year goes down if they're not using it. So it's a, it's a careful balance, certainly in vision. So in just the first few minutes, I'm sure you already can see that this was an excellent panel. If you're just joining us now, well, welcome. To catch you up, we are discussing innovations in the specialty benefits industry. For the last couple of minutes, we've been listening to four industry experts give their take. Uh, so what have we learned so far? Well, for me, I found the most interesting thing was that despite current economic uncertainty, shopping for bigger and better benefits packages is actually on the rise. It seems like employers are actively trying to leverage dental and vision benefits to attract and retain talent. At the same time, there was some concern expressed about finding ways to ensure that members are using the full extent of their benefits and getting the full value so that insurers are comfortable in their ability to minimize the risk of attrition. Right now, I can see a ton of terrific opportunity for innovation where we can strive to create offerings that are relevant in end consumers' lives. This clearly presents opportunities to innovate in areas that are member-centric, like self-service tools such as pricing calculators or online scheduling. Beyond that, not everyone wants or needs the same level or type of care, so naturally they'll want benefit packages that reflect their needs. There's another opportunity for innovation right there. So now let's jump back into our panelists and eavesdrop a little bit more to hear them discuss three key areas where they're seeing innovation being adopted. We're going to start off with the idea of curating the member experience with those self-service tools. In this next segment, Brian Ghosh and John Ryan will be leading the discussion and sharing their thoughts. What are the, the quality scores associated with this provider? What are the ratings associated with this provider? And it's not just, oh, this provider is four miles away from your current location. I mean, again, table stakes. What they want to know is, you know, tell me about this provider and why, you know, my, my friends use it or others that use it, um, you know, and, and kind of build that story around the provider. And I, I would say just as an industry, you know, we're not there today, but it's the experience that they get when they think of open table or you know um, any of the other kind of online uh, rating slash uh, appointment booking type experiences. So certainly we need to go a long way on kind of curating that member you know find care experience. And I would say most folks are not there today. We saw Craig mentioned that forty percent will be online, so we should facilitate that. Um, folks, we are really, really close. Just about four weeks ago, maybe no longer, there was an announcement that a company called Visibly, they got FDA approval for an online acuity check. Um, and you may say, well, what's that? It's, it's you have to have a prescription. It just takes a quick check of your eyes. They're very close to getting FDA approval in 23 for an online refraction using your computer or mobile. It, this is happening. And, and we have... Uh, Gen Z sitting there saying, why do I even have to go to an eye doctor? Why can't I do this online? And, and there's, there's great points where we really want to talk about the clinical need to be seeing an eye doctor. And we will put all the right kind of caveats in as an industry. But the point is that the factions that are going to fight what's happening in the way people want to access benefits are going to lose. 
because what members want is exactly what others have said. They want access to the benefit that they felt they've paid for, and they want to access it as easy as possible. And at least within vision, it is going to move very quickly that uh, as long as you don't have you know, some significant complications, astigmatism, some other issues, you will be able to do this all online. The second area where we're seeing potential for innovation is in price transparency. Let's listen in once again as Brian Ghosh talks more on this subject. That whole idea of price transparency and cost estimators um, really you know, need to go even further than they are today. Uh, when I was at IMED, we had a solution known as Know Before You Go, which think of being behind the firewall and you're actually able to tap into your benefits and you know, go through not just the eye exam, but also I'm selecting this type of frames with these lenses, with these coatings, and it would actually hit the benefits and say, you know, you can estimate your cost to be between X and Y. You know, again, there's lots of variables that go into that math, but at least it gave you some sort of relevant range of what you can expect to spend. So you're not kind of checking out and all of a sudden figuring out you've got a $500 bill. Well, maybe I would have made decisions a little bit differently uh, as a consumer of, in this case, uh, optical care. I think on the dental side, it exists as well. I mean, what, what's it going to cost me to get this you know, root canal or crown when I go to a provider? And is there a difference in my local neighborhood? And do the ratings and quality scores say, you know, I can go over here to Dr. Jones and, you know, it's $50 cheaper and he has just as good as the quality score. Again, it comes back to just being a better, you know, I think consumer of, of healthcare dollars is, is what, you know, a lot of this innovation is going to drive towards. And finally, the third area of innovation is virtual care. Virtual care has exploded in recent years for any number of reasons, but not the least of which was the pandemic. And of course, it just makes sense. It's going to be around for a long time to come. Virtual care helps to improve accessibility, and it helps patients to get a better understanding of their overall health. In this next clip, we're going to hear from Bruce Silverman, who argues that the dental industry is ripe for these types of advancements. I got to the point where I, I firmly believe virtual um, is, is needed in our industry. And, and I got there because today's plans, past plans, focus twice a year on a benefit. You know, you go to the dentist twice a year, and it was really, it was like this dental focus, fix, you know, whatever you did wrong twice a year, clean it up, maybe you need some services, et cetera. Um, but when you start to think of dental and, and oral health as seven days a week, 52 weeks in the year, it really starts to change the perspective of what your product needs to look like um, and where you want the consumer experience to be. And in today's world, the only way you find out about your dental health is by going to the dentist. Well, first, making an appointment. And yeah, I agree, the online process has been pretty painful, but you get an appointment. You get in the waiting room, you wait, and finally they tell you what your oral health is like. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that from home and know about it, baseline it, and then use tools in order to improve, maintain, and, and go forward with your oral health? It's a wellness cycle. You're using it as a way to um, understand your oral health and then engage in that process throughout your life cycle. Uh, you know, in summary, uh, virtual care has exploded throughout the medical community and dental is ripe for a change. In my opinion, Bruce gives us a lot to think about. 
specifically how virtual care contributes to a much larger wellness cycle. And as you'll hear next, Brian and John Ryan are going to discuss how they see virtual care as a holistic tool enabling that overall wellness. Let's hear what they have to say. I would also double down on second opinion, second consult being kind of a really interesting, differentiated way for a payer to leverage this. And, and it provides just a mechanism for when you're sitting in the chair that really uncomfortable, like, okay, I'm going to get a second opinion. How does this work? What's that like? You know, if you just had a better way to do that, and I think with virtual dental care, that's kind of the path for teledentistry to enable um, that sort of solution. So I think there becomes a lot of really neat ways we can start to kind of factor in those evaluations. And then what made me also think is it's also a way that we can go to our provider networks and help them, you know, really expand their portfolio. So within United Healthcare Vision, we've said, hey, look, they should really be talking to the families. In our case, we, we have a focus on blue light and, you know, digital eye strain, and you could help, you know, do an assessment. So I, I would love to see providers start to embrace this, not for that triage, but we should enable them to sit there and say there's even more you can do. So with all of the opportunities presented in today's podcast, the question becomes, where do we go from here? Well, in my opinion, we listen. We have to listen to our members. We listen to consumers. They're the ones in the driver's seat, and our offerings have to satisfy their demands. Their shopping habits, their behaviors, these are the things that we must use to inform our innovation so that we're creating a member experience that truly sets us apart in the marketplace. At SkyGen, that's what we do. We listen, and our innovations are built in direct response to these demands. For example, our member mobile app literally puts benefits in the palm of members' hands. Then we've got the Dental Hub, which is a groundbreaking technology with a ton of amazing capabilities. The coolest of which, in my opinion, is the ability to support true price transparency. Then we've got Provider Select, which is something that has completely reinvented that traditional find-a-provider concept, now helping members to not just find the geographically closest provider, but the very best geographically closest provider. We see these as truly innovative products designed to create the best possible member experience so that our clients can provide the best possible offerings on the cutting edge of technology. Well, that's all the time we have today. I sincerely hope you got a lot out of today's podcast, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. This podcast was brought to you by SkyGen with coverage from Transform 2022. Transforming, well, everything. Dental, vision, specialty, business, technology, experiences, care, health, and more. SkyGen is a leader in dental and vision specialty benefits management and administration. For more information about SkyGen, please visit us at skygenusa.com.